0: Welcome, everybody, to Navigating Change, the podcast from Tybal Inc. I'm Pete Wright. That handsome devil's Howard Tybel. Oh,
1: man. You, mm-hmm. you, I'm, speech, I'm speechless every time you do that to me. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, more, you know,
1: more, more, more. Go ahead.
0: <laughs> I am so excited about this conversation we're having today. Um, it, you know, we started uh, uh, several weeks ago. I think uh, right around episode thirty-eight, we started this conversation about uh, uh, about you heading out to NBOA to uh, lead one of the sessions. We had this whole conversation about being a mover of rocks, a, a leader of change. This is a bit of a follow-up to that conversation because it turns out you're actually doing a second event for NBOA. You're leading a panel discussion with two fantastic. Experts. Can you tell us a little bit about
1: that? The event is going to have a keynote speaker. One of them is going to be Amanda Ripley, who wrote the book The Smartest Kids in the World. And she's going to do a keynote address uh, on some of her research that she did uh, following some exchange students that went overseas and the successes that they are having in other countries over America based on some metrics that were taken some, uh, from these uh, standardized a, a test system that was given to kids from all over the world. And it's very compelling, very compelling data. Uh, it's compelling data for higher ed. It's compelling data for the... The secondary school systems for independent schools. So that the business officers who are attending this conference are going to hear some of what she's learned that really moves the needle around uh, educating kids uh, to be 20, 22nd second second twenty second century thinkers and and uh, and leaders. Then uh, right after our conversation or her, her event, uh, we're going to have a panel. It's going to be me. Uh Amanda, and Roger Stackpole, who is the chief business officer from Le Moyne uh, in Syracuse, New York. And I've known Roger for many years, and he has a great facility and focus around what does it mean to be a collaborative leader? So what does it mean to really work across the aisle with faculty? And you know, he's not sort of the traditional chief business officer. Uh, And we're going to talk about, the three of us, uh, what does it take to do this work well ultimately the mission and uh what does it take for these kids to move their way up through uh the middle school high school world entering into college what kind of preparation do they need to have do they all need to be going to college the way that we've all started to come thinking they know that if we're going to be able to secure good paying jobs everyone needs to go to college well maybe that's not true uh so there's a lot of questions we're going to engage in different ways, and the goal here ultimately is that the audience, the, the people in the uh, the membership, will have an opportunity to engage in some of these questions and then bring these ideas back to their leadership teams with their head of school and their peers, their other vice presidents, to talk about Are we focused on the right things?
0: I I don't want to get ahead of uh, this panel because I think you're going to uncover, as you always do, uh, some terrific insights between these two um, experts, particularly in the space that exists between independent schools and uh, higher ed. Uh, And so, uh, you know, I don't want to be presumptuous about that by asking you questions focused uh, uh, on what you're already going to ask in the the panel. What I am interested in uh, is your insights on how, leadership teams uh, are functioning in order to address some of these big ideas. I mean, you just brought up something massive. We have a, uh, a cultural uh, acceptance that uh, right now that, you know, if you want to get the higher-paying jobs, everybody has to go to college. Uh, and even further than that, there is this growing acceptance that college isn't even enough anymore. If you want to get the higher-paying jobs, you have to get an MBA or, or a master's degree of some level. So, and eventually, eventually, if you're going to want to work at McDonald's, you're going to have to have a Ph.D. Well, and this was something that that she pulled out. Uh, Amanda Ripley pulled out of her own book the complexity that comes even in what we used to think of as the high school job. We don't have high school kids who can do those jobs anymore. That doesn't exist. So, yeah. these are huge issues. Now, I don't want to give anything away, but you and I have have talked in the past about some of the work that you're doing with leadership teams uh, at independent schools, and I uh, remember being dumbfounded at the teams that are doing this well. The mm-hmm. level of uh, ambition that mm-hmm. comes with the the things that they are doing to shake up their model, their worldview, their mindset um, can you have big giant, audacious, hairy, terrifying ideas and fiscal sustainability uh, at a, on a leadership team level? How do you approach hmm. this?
1: it's you know it's it's funny the uh I, I do. Uh, I do a bunch of work at the Chautauqua Institution, and one of the mantras, uh, when people keep thinking about, or or trying to talk about, uh, what do we stop doing? Uh, the message that keeps coming back from the I consider a visionary thinker Tom Becker is it's it's the mix, stupid. He, you know, <laughs> it's in the mix. It's the answer is yes. We need to do it all, and. I think this is this is also a dilemma. You know, we we're we're trying to undo uh, structures that we've put in place—physical structures, uh, technology structures, uh, ways that we're teaching—and we're asking to step back and say, "All right, let's prioritize what we really want to do." And I can tell you that some of the independent school leaders I'm working with and you know my hope is that you and I will have a chance actually to do a three-way conversation with one of them what they do really well the good ones is that they are holding both conversations which is and this is what you got to do I mean here's here's the story and everybody shakes their head on this in a way in a good way we want to figure out what does it mean to have uh revolutionary new programs and now, now why I'd say for these schools one of the one of the motivations one of the reasons to sell that that sells to their boards is the fact that we want to distinguish ourselves from our peers right now distinguished means we need to focus on what we can do really well. You know, I think in some cases, the pie is big enough for many of these independent schools uh, to be able to attract more. And my guess is there are some who are struggling because they may be in a region where they're competing against some that have either a greater brand recognition or whatever it is. But the, the point of looking at what does it mean to have a new a new process around the, the, the core academic program, the way we teach, the delivery method. The rationale behind this is because we're trying to distinguish ourselves and be able to say we're doing something exceptional, and that's why you should consider us. You know, other questions. Should we be thinking globally? Many schools have a presence overseas, and, and that shows up often, you know, when they send their kids. To overseas programs, you know, it's and and it's an incredible privilege for these kids who are, you know, it, that that for many people in our culture do, doesn't happen until they're in college and they're in some kind of a co-op program and they they go to another country, but many independent schools have programs where they send their kids overseas. Well, could there be an overseas campus? right? What does the 22nd century learner experience look like? And all kinds of other big ideas. So those conversations live with what I loosely call the leadership team, which is basically the head of school and this person's direct reports that oversees the major areas of the college. The juxtaposition between that and financial sustainability is that the only way there's going to be an ability to make investments in big ideas is if we get our financial house in order that if we're going to have reserve reserves to be able to apply to strategic initiatives we have to right size our revenue and expense and that either means we need to bring in more students or we need to find ways to cut costs so the rationale behind this is that these two things are are linked Uh, inextricably, right? And as a result, it is a dilemma because they really never had to think this way. Uh, It was always the finance person's responsibility to make sure the budget is balanced. What I'm saying now, if you're tuning in and you work in a uh, college university, you recognize this conversation. This is the same conversation happening at the independent school level. This is, uh,
0: I I think at its very nature, cognitive dissonance, right? I mean, this is the idea where we have to have competing ideas about the future of our school, uh, and we have to be able to rationalize them uh, in the same conversation.
1: Yeah, and and as you talk about competing ideas— you know, I see it as it starts, you know, when I think about in what ways, in what kind of advice, what kind of direction, uh, when I find myself in these conversations, am I offering up? At, at the heart of it, at the, at, the, at the beginning, it's putting a conversation forward around how do you generate urgency, and it really involves doing two things very well painting a positive picture of the future while addressing and being able to uncover the brutal facts. And that is the nature of what it means to move your institution forward uh, at at the education level. What are some brutal facts that we have to deal with, that we should be talking about, that we should be making decisions about? And brutal facts are often around... uh, the cost of delivering this education we do against where we're trying to go. And there is a process that, in many ways, my experience is the majority of schools, when you have the right conversation, the people at the leadership level, mm-hmm. they know what their options are. They just need guidance to be able to go down some path. There are some best practices that, you know, that we're in a position more and more to be able to share, but ultimately... The people that are hired into these roles understand the dynamics better than anybody outside their institution, and what they need is guidance to be able to step through that conversation in a systematic way. Well, what I like
0: so much about that, it seems to me, that you're presenting a way. And uh, you know, I, I tend to think of this in terms of a machine, right? To enable leadership teams to address these issues, right? They're either enabled and functioning at a level that they can conceive of these issues in a way to move their mission forward, uh, or they are not.
1: Yeah, and and they also need to know that they're not outliers in the conversation. So, for example, we're working with lots of schools where things on the table are things like employee benefits, questions about outsourcing, how do we deal with financial aid, should we cut certain sports because it doesn't make sense to have them, what do we do about tuition remission? These are the, There is a handful of big-ticket items that have been often sacred cows that are now on the table, and there is lots of examples out there of schools who are taking the lead in, in doing these things, and, and I'll tell you, what, what I put in front of schools, here's some examples of what some other schools are doing. Sometimes that's all they need to see it's okay to make some of these difficult choices.
0: You're going into this panel uh, uh, with these two experts, uh, and you are facilitating a discussion. I'm curious what you personally would like to learn out of this conversation. Uh, what do you what is your number one hot issue personally that you think uh, these two folks are are well equipped to help you address?
1: There isn't for me a number one thing. what what there is is it's very clear there's an intersection uh, between independent schools and higher education that independent schools are struggling with. And the way it shows up, I was speaking at uh, a conference on the West Coast, and the way it shows up is I had somebody say to me, uh, who's responsible for implementing the changes? Should we be driving changes that affect higher ed? Or should we be looking to higher ed about what changes we should be thinking about and what i found so fascinating about that it, it revealed and i see this more and more is the connection between these two spaces uh is very thin that they, they they do not spend uh any time really learning about each other in a way to say all right how can we do be a, do a better job feeding the kind of students that you're looking for to your institutions, and institutions at the higher ed level are not saying and should be, what are you doing at the independent school level that we should be embracing in in higher education? Uh, that's what's so powerful, I think, about this conversation we're going to have with Amanda and Roger, is that it is about the intersection and what can we learn from each other. So I actually am walking into this uh, being very interested to see what kinds of information, you know, where are people stuck uh, who are going to be going back to their schools uh, that really want to get some insight from somebody who's seen exceptional success with these kids uh, in other countries, and Roger, who is a, who is going to be who is the equivalent role of these of this audience member but he does it for for higher education so i think what it's going to do is it's going it's to open a lot of questions for people and we'll see what kind of answers we can get to Well, I think it's a a fantastic question, and I love the way
0: you frame the setup for this conversation. I think it really highlights, uh, you know, your 30 years experience helping leadership teams to engage in ambitious thinking. Uh, And so I'm I'm thrilled that you're going to be sharing the stage with these folks leading this conversation.
1: That's great. Great conversation, Pete, as always.
0: The conference itself, NBOA 2014 annual meeting, is being held in Orlando, Florida, the only really sunny place in the nation, March (laughs) 2nd. through 5th, uh, 2014. You should go there if you're a business officer and you want to learn a little bit more. You should buy your tickets now. It's going to be a great show. <laughs> uh, you can learn all about our show uh, at Tybalink.com. Uh, you can search for the podcast Navigating Change in the iTunes store. Subscribe for free and, and don't miss a single episode of Howard Tybel's fantastic wisdom. <laughs> on behalf of Howard Te- Oh, you know what else I forgot to mention? Are you keeping up with... Are you going to be taking questions uh, as you have done in the past on Twitter?
1: Thanks for reminding me. And uh, it is a question for the programming people. Uh, but let's raise that. Well, I just
0: want people to know that if they want to reach <laughs> directly into your pocket, they can Yikes. do so at Howard Teibel on Twitter. You can find me at Pete Wright on Twitter. And Perfect. then I will reach into Howard Tybel's pocket on your behalf. Otherwise, uh, on behalf of... Of Howard Tybel I'm Pete Wright. Thanks so much, everybody. We'll catch you next week on Navigating Change, the podcast from Teibel.